0: All right, you're listening to Johnny Walker's Funtime Movie Podcast. My name is Walker, and because Johnny is out sick today, I have the OG Walker, my dad, Papa Walker, the Walkman, here with us. Say hi, Dad. Hi, Dad. Exactly. <laughs> so how's it going today?
1: Just fine. We mm-hmm. got
0: beautiful Michigan winter weather. That's true. Beautiful Michigan. Gotta love it. It's just like Hoth. <laughs> Exactly! And that is going to be our topic is today, is Star Wars. That is a monster of a topic, and I'm sure that we're going to revisit Star Wars many times over, especially with the new movies coming out, and just, there's always new Star Wars things to talk about, and deeper and deeper to go. So, we will continue to talk about Star Wars, but um, this is going to be our first time... Really, really talking about Star Wars, and uh, I guess the the first thing we really want to talk about is what what Star Wars really means to us. I know, Dad, you grew up with Star Wars, the the original trilogy,
1: right? So um, I was six years old when Episode Four came out, and uh, what I remember first about that was uh, my next door neighbor um, saw it first before I did. And he came over and tried to describe it as a six or seven year old kid would try and describe it. And I remember he, uh, he talked about Darth Vader and the weird breathing. And he says, no, I'm going to be the pilot and I'm going to call you kid all the time. Cause he's, you know, apparently I was going to be Luke in the whole thing when we were kind of playing. And, um, and, and honestly, that's what I remember about it. I don't, I was so young that I don't remember, like the first time I saw Star Wars in the theaters, right? I, d- I don't have that that clear memory because you know I was six years old. Um, but what I do remember though next was Empire Strikes Back, and that is still you know the the top Star Wars movie for me. Um, and I watched that over and over again growing up. We had it on on uh, VHS, and uh, I that was one of those things that um i just constantly turned to over the years was watching that movie um and then uh but the the original trilogy was you know something that was a huge part of me growing up i had all the original action figures i um played with the original action figures i uh wanted to be luke um actually yoda's my favorite now um but uh (laughs) oh i know he's your favorite yes um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, you know, what it, what it did um, is a lot like comic books and, and other things is it gave me a place to dream about and it gave me a place to escape to when things were rough. Um, I could be a Jedi. Uh, I could be in my mind. I could, you know, go off on these great adventures and, uh, um, you know, really just kind of like let my imagination go uh in in great places um and one of the things about the original trilogy as i've grown older and and start to um think about how it affected me and how it affects other people is is i feel like that it's it's one of the most completely and fully realized examples of the hero's journey archetype and, archetype and mythos that we have in our in our society yeah, yeah. definitely definitely and, you know, the, the, it's one of those things, that story, the hero's journey, is something that, that goes past culture. It goes past time. You know, everybody can relate to it. And, and it's one of those things, too, that so many people embrace and aspire, you know, uh, to to be part of that hero's journey. You know, it's all about hope and that we can overcome, you know, darkness and, and uh, we can grow and be better uh, and and you know, uh, challenge the things that scare us and, and overcome. Yeah, you know, with with my experience, like
0: like I I see the hero's journey. Um, but growing up, I have I've the first Star Wars movie I saw in theaters was The Force Awakens. Um, I remember I remember when you and mom and grandpa and Gigi went to go see. Uh, the Phantom Menace and I was a little kid and I was super jealous and I really wanted to go see Star Wars with you guys. But for some reason, I don't even remember why um, you guys had to stay home with a babysitter. Um, Probably because
1: we wanted to enjoy it without all the little kids
0: there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that's what it is, but that's, that was my first, like I really wanted to go to the theater. And so with, you know, with all the other ones coming out and just the way things were, I, the first, time I got to see Star Wars in a the theater was for The Force Awakens. And I grew up with the prequels, which is, you know, not everyone's favorite. Um, but what I loved about Star Wars and um, the whole experience was how much of a world was built. And how expansive it was, and no matter who you were, or what you wanted to be, you could find something along the lines of that in Star Wars. Because right. by the by the time you know I was really getting into it, you know that was uh, before the Force Awakens, uh, uh, retconned all the expanded universe, and there's hundreds of books, uh, games with immersive stories. Uh, Set before and after all the movies. And really, like, I got into the expanded universe more than I did the actual movies. And I enjoyed the movies, but I enjoyed the expanded universe so much more. I I remember, like, the first time playing the game Star Wars, the uh, Knights of the Old Republic... Which is probably the best Star Wars game ever. I don't know if you know anything about that, Dad. I've, um, you know, heard about it. Um, I don't ever think I watched you guys play it. Um, yeah. That one, um, it was uh, one of the earliest games. It was a RPG kind of system, similar to um, similar to a Dungeons and Dragons type system. Right. Um, but you played a character who. Woke up on a ship, um, and it was crash landing. You find friends and try to find this Jedi, and you are learning about this Force War between the Sith Empire and the, the Republic. With this point, it was like five thousand years before everything, and you find out about this character named Revan, who was this Jedi who had um, was this huge war general, and he and his apprentice turned. And you're trying to find him and his apprentice, the, the Jedi who was named Revan. And come to find out at the very end of the game that you are Revan. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And it was the Jedi who wiped your memory and retrained you as a Jedi. Um, and it was just this cool plot twist because it started you off as like, as like in D&D, you could be whoever you wanted to be. And you could make light side and dark side choices throughout the game and that shaped the way the game was and that's really how my Star Wars experience was was you could be anybody in this in this
1: um, universe and you, you know what, that's one of the things you know speaking of like you know not just the hero's journey that people relate to but overall in the Star Wars universe what you say is true there really is a character that almost anybody can try to identify with and aspire to, um, be like, you know, regardless of culture, race, gender, anything like that, there is somebody in there that, uh, just about everybody can, can look up to, um, in some way and connect with, um, which is really cool.
0: It's true, and in the movies, like especially you know, now, so there's a lot more diversity and representation, which is really awesome. Uh, as I'm, I'm learning a lot more about uh, what representation really means for people of color and people of just all types. It is, it is really crucial to see see uh, characters who are like them and playing in prominent roles because like i mean it's both as you know white dudes we and pretty much represented in every movie right but um and, and in star wars there hasn't been a whole lot of diversity mm-hmm. in uh race and in gender but you know now there's there's so much more um in the newer
1: movies well in the in the movies there you know is definitely that growth and and thing but the in what's interesting is when you get into the original um books series the the what do they call them the legends books and the, the originals right universe. um one of the themes that runs throughout that which i think um from a diversity standpoint um people can can reckon go with is that um The Empire was a, shall we say, humanist um, organization. And uh, anyone that wasn't a human race uh, being was, was looked down upon in the same way that there's prejudice against um, you know uh, people of color and, and, and LGBT uh, people and stuff like that in our culture now. And so similar to the way that in Marvel Comics the X-Men use mutants as a way to talk about racism and talk about bigotry and things like that um, without being explicit, um, in the expanded universe, in the books, there was this underlying current of that same kind of, shall we say, racism. You know, you have this entire um, galaxy full of amazing different creatures and races that uh, have been dreamed up, but there in the Empire was always the prejudice um, about humans. And that's what made some characters like General Thrawn. Um, so powerful because he was one of those lower tier aliens that ended up, you know, um, becoming strong and, and powerful in the Empire. Yeah. Um, and for our listeners who do not know who General Thrawn is, he was
0: a creation of a author named Timothy Zahn um, in a uh, really awesome uh, book series where um, the Thrawn is a race known as Chiss. Which is a uh, blue skin, red eyed, uh, mostly humanoid uh, alien. But um, he was this master str- strategist. Like, he had almost destroyed the um, New Republic after the uh, um, Empire had fallen several times. And he outwitted almost everybody several times. And he was just playing eight steps ahead. But he was also, like, when he was described, he wasn't a ruthless tyrant of a leader. He was a understanding and thoughtful and smart and, like, everything you would imagine a protagonist leader to be, he was that. Which was really interesting to see him as a bad guy, in a sense, rather than a a official, quote-unquote, good guy because of the qualities that he had
1: you know and you touch on a point there that another thing that star wars brings to a lot of people there are um throughout all of the the media that's out there the movies the books everything there is a lot of leadership lessons that can be learned um and you know sometimes people like to to um discount that, uh, um, you can learn these kind of lessons from this kind of media, whether it's comic books or, or whatever, but, um, the lessons are, are good in there. And if you start to look into, and I'm going to talk about this in, a, in, a, in another segment, when you start to think about, uh, the things that happen with leadership and followership and, uh, and those kind of characters, um, in all of the Star Wars universe, there's a lot going on that that a person that um, is striving to learn and be better at it can can take and and learn from and grow from. Uh, so, you know, the fact that Thrawn can be a good leader, um, but just playing for the wrong team, you know, in that way, uh, says a lot uh, about, uh, you know, the deep understanding that that. Um, you know, like people like Timothy Zahn have about what leadership's really like and, and, and what makes it work. Yeah, definitely. And, um,
0: it's really nice to see like with the themes of the newer movies that they're really trying to put new lessons into the films. You really didn't see a lot of like morality lessons in the prequels. Um, you saw a lot more in in the original trilogy, but it seems that the especially with the Last Jedi, the theme of failure and um, like personal growth is a lot more, a lot less subtle and a lot more focused on for those movies.
1: And I think that that those kind of um, morality ideas and lessons have reflected a lot of our cultural uh change as well when you talk about you know the the amount of of cultural diversity in the newer movies um when you think about um cultural diversity in the expanded universe in the book series um no one is really uh described as being white or Black or dark skinned or, or whatever, unless they're an alien race that is being first introduced, and they describe what they look like. You know, I mean, if you're talking about Admiral Akbar, um, if you haven't seen the movie yet, you need to know that he's kind of the squid guy, right? <laughs> um, you know, but but when you read those things, they don't um, in in the books. You know, you're human or you're not, or humanoid or, or not. Um, but they don't, you know, really dwell on kind of a, a type of ethnicity in there. In the movies, you know, definitely they move towards, you know, the more visual diversity that we're, we're seeing now. But the ideas that were culturally there in the original trilogy, and then if you look at, you know, like the new sequels with different diversity, but also like the, the kind of moral decisions that people are wrestling with, in in today's world uh, have changed a little bit and so that's reflected in the newer films Um, but overall what makes everything but the prequels (laughs) (laughs) uh, work from from that standpoint is that um, people are people and um, we will always be learning the same lessons and all people will always need the same kind of hope and the same kind of faith and the same kind of um character attributes that are displayed in some of these iconic archetypes that star wars does a good job of of representing
0: yeah i like that and honestly when i was like i'm not as into star wars as i was when i was younger but i still it's still a huge passion of mine but when I was just reading every single book of *Manageable* and playing all the games, one thing that was always really interesting to me, um, and one th- the thing that I really, I really got the most out of, was the philosophy behind the Jedi and the uh, Gray Jedi and the Sith, and how there's a lot to relate to ourselves in a. In kind of a macro and general sense, but also a very minute and personal sense. Because, like, with, with the Jedi, they were always, like, serene, but, it, like, in the prequels, it showed how that serene, passive, non-emotional kind of way has its flaws. And we see how the Sith always has its flaws in all the movies, but it all, in some of the expanded universe it talks about how, how the dark side is about emotion and how that flows. And generally a lot of Sith are angry and sad and bitter, but it took a lot of, like, like Revan, people who used serenity and emotions, not necessarily negative emotions, but positive emotions, and that was how they they were connected to the force. And I've always liked that as a metaphor for my life, like, I can be as chill as I want, and I can just be serene, but I'm never going to enjoy life until... I allow my emotions and and my feelings to at least have some impact on me and to search different emotions and explore and let myself feel and that was one of the things that you know the expanded universe of Star Wars taught me through its philosophy
1: that's pretty cool I hadn't thought about it that way because you know the one of the things is I know we're going to talk about in a little bit, um, different segment that, you know, where are things going, you know, as far as like the, the, uh, ideas of, of star Wars and and the movies and stuff like that. But it feels as though that we as a people, um, in our culture, um, have become a little more understanding of, um, The idea of balance and uh, what is explored, if you look at through the entirety of the Star Wars universe, there is a lot of this coming to a balance. Even, you know, the idea of of Anakin Skywalker being the quote unquote chosen one that was born to bring balance to the Force kind of idea, Um, and how, you know, the Sith and the Jedi play equal sides of the same corn coin Uh, the same
0: coin. you're gonna edit that out
1: right (laughs) (laughs) oh no that's gonna be right in there groovy children of the corn that jedi edition (laughs) yes you know but but you know both being connected to the force both being able to use the force um masterfully um but in different ways you know um looking at it as as a, a a global kind of thing you know there is that issue of balance all the time that, that keeps coming back. And I think we as a, a culture and people are, are starting to understand and think about that more often. You know, you, you look at, uh, you know, there's so many, um, things in business about uh, having, wanting to have a work life balance and, you know, um, rejecting the idea of, um, Hey, if you can't come in Saturday, don't come in Sunday, kind of a thing where you dedicate your entire life to your job, you know? Um, having balance in, in uh, you know, recreation versus work and, and uh, you know, things like that. So um, it reflects a lot of what's going on um, in our growth as a people as well. And I
0: can, I can see that growth in certain areas. In other areas, you know, there's definitely a lot of lacking in balance and looking at a more nuanced and gray view rather than, than the traditional black and white view on a lot of things and we won't get into the politics, but yeah, that's that's, very binary right now. That's very, very binary. Yeah. Yeah. Just like the sons of Tatooine, right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Good one.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I, I I try sometimes. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I wanted to talk about the new movies and about how they're being received right now. Um, there is a lot of divisiveness in the Star Wars community, especially online. Um, in person, less so. Um, mostly because on being online is just, you know, a, uh, a hive of scum and villainy. Yeah,
1: yeah, basically. Well, anything online right now, you you can't. Um, you you really can't uh, avoid. You know the toxic. Trollism in any online community right now, you know.
0: But it's it's not just the trolling because like I can understand people trolling and whatnot, but it's the uh, fandom in a respect of who owns Star Wars. Like it, fans don't own Star Wars. The George Lucas, I guess, Disney owns Star Wars and. The people who create the movies they they own star wars and they i don't know if they really owe us anything like they don't owe us what we want in the films and i think that is something that that these newer movies are struggling with is because of the amount of media that has been out there for star wars and fan expectations of what they want from Star Wars is not meeting up with what other people's expectations from what they want from Star Wars and the more movies that come out, the more divided that gap is.
1: I think one of the challenges that any creative team is going to have with something that uh, a property, intellectual property that is uh, as iconic as Star Wars um, is that A lot of people's first exposure to Star Wars is when they are younger, right? Um, You know, we've, those of us, you know, like I said, I was six years old when episode uh, four came out. And, uh, you know, so it has been a part of my life, all of my life for the most part. And a lot of people, you know, they, you first saw, you know, when you were young, a lot of people see these movies and, and are exposed to Star Wars when they're younger. And um, so their initial connection to the Star Wars universe takes place in that nostalgia of youth and what it meant to them and, and how they were like wowed by it as a young person. Uh, and the problem is, is that um, you can't recreate that um, again because it only happens at a time. And a lot of people are, are looking for the newer films and the newer things to uh, to equal that. F- to you know, when you're when you're six years old and you watch, or seven years old and you watch uh, Empire for the first time, and you hear the reveal that vader is luke's father and you go whoa and your mind's blown you know that that's a totally more impactful kind of emotion that you're going to feel than if you watch that when you're 20 right and so as as these creators are are working on these new things one of the things that that's a challenge is that they have to people are are expecting that uh they're going to have their childhood recreated and and that's not going to happen, you know. And so when they don't feel that same childlike sense of awe and wonder and amazement because they're 20 or 30 or 47, then they're disappointed, Um, you know. And and there are some things that I grew up with uh, that I loved growing up with um, that I know are available online, but I don't go back and watch them because I know... That it'll be ruined, you know. Yeah. Cartoons that I used to watch and used to love um, as a kid, um, outside of Bugs Bunny, you know, you know these things. Bar- I, Saturday mornings with Hanna Barbera cartoons were awesome to me, and I loved them. But I know if I watched them now, that I would be like, "Oh, geez, these things are so bad." Yeah, yeah you know, and <laughs> it just you know, so that's a challenge that that we have with the Star Wars thing is is. Trying to continually recreate that kind of moment in somebody's life isn't going to happen, and that's going to make people upset because it means a lot uh, to uh, to people, their experiences. There's something about um, this universe of characters and ideals that really has touched people in a strong emotional way throughout their lives, and they're always going to be seeking to keep that feeling there and uh you have to look at it with the eyes of you know a seven-year-old a 10-year-old a 15-year-old a 40-year-old um and uh, uh my exp- you know my experience of watching star wars you know as a, a six-year-old was totally different than my dad's you know when he was in his 30s watching it for the first time too you know i don't know if it affected him the same way it would have affected me yeah
0: and you know I was thinking about that, and thinking about how I feel like the like the prequels were either aimed at older fans or young kids, and it kind of split the movies in a way, trying to do fan service. To the older films of like, hey, remember this character? This is what they're like when they're young. And adding comic relief that a lot of the older people didn't like in Jar Jar. Um, But as a kid, I loved Jar Jar. And I still don't mind Jar Jar. I don't think he's that bad because I grew up with him and I thought he was funny when I was five years old.
1: Right, yeah. Yeah, and that that kind of uh, dichotomy wasn't as successful in um in the prequels as like pixar does a good job of being able to balance uh those two things you know parents love pixar movies as much as the kids do right because they they really their story the dialogue um, really allows someone to connect it at different ages um you know but the prequels didn't really make that balance between, you know, uh, the appealing to the younger kids and and you know, okay, there's merchandising. We know we need, you know, some, merchandising. Yes, uh, we need we need some sort of um, you know character like the Ewoks that people are going to buy, you know, and and all those kind of things. So uh, yeah. I'm sure there were some decisions made uh, in that way, especially in *A Phantom Menace*, starting it all off that were made for the wrong reasons and that's why you know i tell you the the big thing about the prequels and i'll just get this out of here um that that i don't love that that kind of made them not great for me um is that okay the original trilogy is all about hope it's the rise of the hero. It's the, the journey through the fire to overcome, uh, to win against evil, and to let the good be triumphant. And it's hopeful. You know, there is this um, undying hope and faith that happens through the rebellion and the characters against the Empire uh, throughout the, the uh, original trilogy. And the prequels are about the rise of darkness. The prequels are about one character's descent from, you know, good to evil, um, and that's nothing that that inspires or or uh, brings hope to anything, right? You know, yeah. I think that's yeah. one of the reasons too why they don't work as well, and why the new series um, are doing better than that because, again, it's it's about rising up against. And, and the triumph over, as opposed to, you know... Now, okay, I, I, I think we probably needed to understand the storyline of the prequels to complete the character of Vader um, and to eventually allow us to be sympathetic to him, like we were in The, um, in the Return of the Jedi, and uh, you know, to where he, he finally, quote-unquote, is redeemed. Um, so we needed to, to uh, have that kind of full-circle-ness happen in a way but you know when you look at the the three prequels they're all about you know basically one man's life um being destroyed and going into darkness yeah and
0: like one of the things that for me like because i loved the world building in the prequels that was like one of my favorite parts of of the prequels was like learning all about all these different planets and seeing how the Republic was and But the portrayal and writing of Anakin because Darth Vader was always badass. Yeah. Like he was so badass. And then Anakin is is like whiny brat. And like I mean I mean I liked I like Jake Lloyd's portrayal of Anakin in A Phantom Menace much more than I like Hayden Christensen's portrayal of him in Attack of the Clones.
1: I totally, I'm totally in in agreement with you because he's, he's a 10 year old kid, you know, and Jake Lloyd was, you know, a 10 year old kid and he played him like a 10 year old kid. You know what I mean? I mean, he was true to what that character would be. And he and it was, was a pretty badass ten-year-old
0: kid, winning the pod race. Yeah, and really <laughs> jumping the Naboo starfighter and you know blowing up the Trade Federation ship. It was like he was like really cool.
1: And he was a ten-year-old kid doing it. Yeah. It wasn't, you know. I think one of the the things that's unfortunate is so many people tried to, um, you know, because he was so powerful uh you know, make him out to be older. He was he was he's a ten year old kid. Let him be a ten year old kid in the movie. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? He's gonna say woohoo and yeah. be excited when the podcast I'll try spinning. That's a great trick. Exactly. That's that's realistic dialogue for a ten year old, you know? Uh, yeah. so yeah.
0: Yeah and, and going back to the um the sequel trilogy and all the new movies, like I don't know. I feel like their dichotomy and their portrayals of who all the characters are are really on point. Mm-hmm. That you know, you can see you can see in Finn the I was a stormtrooper, and I'm trying, and I'm in the mix of something that I just kind of stumbled into because of a lie. Because I'm just trying to get out of here, and then him finding reason to be part of it, and to really care, and for uh, Ray, like her, like growing out of an insecure place from being abandoned and from having to to scrap for herself, to being able to believe. That she's all she's special,
1: yeah. So you know, if we're gonna jump into the um, the new sequel movies and the and the the two independent ones, um, you know, I gotta say that for the most part, um, I think that that they're going in a good direction. I think part of it too is that um, they've gone back to, you know, like we talked about the prequels being about someone's descent. You know, now we're back into the idea of of overcoming against against evil, which is, you know, what every comic book, every action hero movie, everything that we all love and aspire to to be like, you know, is about. Um, and when I think about okay, when I look at like Solo and Rogue One, if you want to get into like the universe timeline, um, you really get a sense of the evil, quote unquote, of the Empire in those movies that you don't actually get much of a sense in. Uh, in the original uh, trilogy, yeah, you know, I, can I mean, see that. aside from you know blowing up Alderaan, okay, yeah, blowing up a planet and killing billions is is pretty awful. Um, and, you know, but outside of that, there isn't so much shown of what the empire's like and and why there's a rebellion. Why are these people so desperate to fight against, you know this kind of you know tyranny? Um, and so in solo, in Rogue One, you you get this raw um, understanding of how desperate it is. And if you're not part of the Empire, how um, they really have you under their boot in so many ways. And, and how, um, you know, there is this this true sense of, of despotism on the part of, of the Empire uh, that, that you just... It, it makes everything that happens, um, in the rebellion, uh, mean more, Yeah, uh, for sure. And, you know, something that just made me think
0: of is when, when the original star Wars first came out in, in 77, that was, you know, near the end of Vietnam and near the end of the seventies. Um, which, from miss me learning about history, I didn't seem like a really great decade for a lot of people. Um and there was a lot of nuance and and gray in the seventies that it wasn't as black and white as it was in the thirties and forties with World War Two. And there yeah. was a clear cut enemy and the clear cut good guy and maybe that's propaganda and it probably propaganda but we knew the nazis were doing bad things and we you see visually george lucas using almost german like imagery and nazi like imagery With the Empire in Stormtroopers. And Stormtroopers. Obviously, the name Stormtroopers, but also the gray and the efficiency and the war machines and the engineering. Like, that was all associated with the Germans and the Nazis. And culturally, in that memory, George Lucas didn't have to tell us as much of what the empire how it was bad we could see it because it was part of our cultural subconscious and the way we saw that portrayal of something as being
1: evil mm-hmm i can re- i hadn't thought about that before um yeah, it yeah just, it I, well just as far brain as, as you were talking about yeah it, so. well you know that's true and and um you know i've you know people that grew up during that time you know like me um there is definitely you know undertones of uh and and um some blatant not so some some not so blatant uh reflections of of germany and, and world war ii in a lot of those um a lot of those things and and you know the other thing you know um you know back in the day there was you know russia was the quote-unquote evil empire uh you know so yeah. there, there's some of that as as well and and um while my uh my grandparents were the ones that that fought in World War II um in my day growing up uh, it was all fighting against the Russians were the big bad um that uh that we were all scared the of yeah. yeah 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 so um yeah so that's a good point that that uh, you know so when you when you and I think it's it's like I'm closer to, obviously, to World War II than you are, you know, yeah. um, yep. <laughs> and 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 that memory is is more, or that cultural understanding is is more powerful to me um, than it is to you. I mean, both of my grandfathers were, were in the war, you know, I have, um, you know, Papa Leon's got the, you know, the Japanese sword that, that he brought back from, you know, his time in the Navy on Tarawa, you know, and taking part in those big battles and things. So, um, you know, I have, uh, I have, um, all, almost all of my friends growing up, their parents were, or grandparents, um, you know, fought in the war in one way or another. Um, so, you know, it, uh, there's still that connection to it, and that's why, you know, maybe Lucas didn't have to, to flesh it out so much. But now, um, you know, your generation and, and, um, and younger, there isn't that same kind of cultural cultural memory. Can, yeah, yeah, memory of of what that was like. And so that's where in the the new sequels with with Rogue One and Solo where he's getting into showing you know w- this is what evil looks like. This is what the empire is doing. This is why it's it's so um so bad. I mean even you with
0: know. also with the First Order too cuz they they're showing like within the first few minutes of of uh, The Force Awakens, the stormtroopers and Kylo Ren take over the little village that um, Poe and the uh, the older guy, I never remember his name.
1: Me neither. Uh,
0: <laughs> the, the old guy. Um, and they shoot all the villagers. Like yep. That is a very blatant evil act. And it sets the tone of what the First Order is and it doesn't have to really rely as much on culture memory but it I mean it kind of can because if you think about it um, that village looked like in the desert and there's been a pretty big war with the place in the desert yeah. all of my life
1: right. And,
0: right and there's been a lot of guerrilla warfare and there's been you know stories of a lot of civilian casualty and especially especially nowadays you know you really with how how like drone strikes and all these things like we are more or at least now i'm more aware of civilian, civilian casualty and so seeing that portrayed by the first order was poignant
1: right right you yeah, know so so when you, when you get to these these newer movies they're tapping into this visceral um more dynamic and in-your-face presentation of 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 evil um and uh so all right i want to talk about um, the four new movies Rogue One Solo and The Force Awakens and, and uh, The Last Jedi um, so could we start with Rogue One yeah okay Yeah. alright so I gotta say um, Rogue One is I wanna say maybe my second favorite Star Wars movie um, maybe tied second and third with uh, The Force Awakens um, with uh just behind Empire, but, uh, um, when I saw that movie, um, it, it felt again, like, like Star Wars. Yeah. I really felt a lot of that kind of visceral, um, hope and desperation. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, and you know, another thing that, that they've gotten, I think, better at than the prequels, um, is, is the characters, um, better i love the character arc that that uh, Jin goes through you know and and again it's a classic archetype that uh that's pretty timeless and and without culture someone who is beat down um, and in a way gives up and then finds it within themselves to to rise above that and to take their place so to speak in in the great fight and and rise to the occasion you know, is is a great character arc that that happens within that movie that, you know, I think a lot of people can relate to and and can learn from. You know, yeah. I think Galen UrsO also is um, is a great character in that. Be, um, you know, he's he's fighting the bad guys from within him. You know, he's he's um, he's placed in this impossible situation and he still does his best. To do what is right by his moral code, even though he's being forced to, to um, go against uh, most of what he believes in. Yeah,
0: there's, there's a lot of moral lessons learned in Rogue One yeah. and taught. And I think for me, the most poignant character... Um, was the uh the blind Jedi Shira yeah. sure i I can never remember his name. I'm bad with names sometimes, yeah, um, but like as as a religious person, um, I've always rec- rec- equated the force and religion, like some of the principles of the jedi and, and yeah. whatnot. and yeah. when when cheerat. He, he goes you know I'm one with the force and the force is with me as he's like walking across the battlefield like that was probably for me the most one of the most iconic Star Wars scenes I've, I've seen and one that really hit me in more places than just wow that was really cool right. it, it, was, it showed faith and trust and it was almost a allegory to you know, other people's trials as as people and how trust can really help them overcome.
1: Trust and faith.
0: Trust and faith. And it doesn't like like I know not everyone out there is religious, but having trust and faith in something.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that, that I, I agree with you that the, the just not on that scene, but the whole idea of um, you know having something uh, that you believe in um, that carries you through dark times is is uh, a huge part of of what makes these movies and, and this universe work um, for so many people because. Um, all around us in our lives, our challenges and, and whatever else. And so, um, having something to have trust and believe in, whether it's, you know, like a religion or, or, you know, something like that or spirituality, or if it's, um, uh, somebody's belief in, in their faith and their family or, um, you know, a cause above that's outside of, 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 you know the scope of what they think of their lives and things like that that's what we what we need uh to overcome the challenges we need to have something bigger than us to believe in and that's a great um great representation of that uh and and you know the the faith that that Shiret and his friend Bayes or Baze or harry say it, i can't remember have together um in this thing, you know, they, they've looked after one another. They, they, you know, they're, they're battle buddies. Um, you know, uh, So yeah. they, they have, and, and when you look at, at, at the overall the rebellion with uh, or the resistance in any of the movies, they're all united against, you know, um, one foe. They're united by their faith, by their um, their common belief system. Uh, that um, makes them more powerful together than as individuals.
0: Unity is a real strong theme throughout Star Wars, Um, at least in the the original trilogy and all the newer movies. Um, Actually, I wanted to talk about uh, The Last Jedi for a little bit, Um, moving on to that one. I know that's the most recent one. Uh, But honestly, The Last Jedi is actually... Probably tied for me in a lot of places with Empire. Um, And I know that's pretty controversial for a lot of people. Um, But for me, I really liked the way it challenged every expectation of Star Wars. And it, it felt grounded and real. But it taught a really good lesson that a lot of people need to hear. But it wasn't escapist. It was a very real and and hard thing to watch for a lot of people because it didn't do the fantasy and the the high adventureness of a lot of the other Star Wars films, but it was more realistic and grounded, which mm-hmm. Ryan Johnson is really really uh, good at doing especially in his other films but you know it, especially with with Luke like I feel like his his personal arc in that movie is one is a masterclass of of characterization and and really power because he's such a iconic character but everybody makes mistakes and everybody fails and seeing him being able to overcome his failures and his troubles. He's not showing he's not a perfect person, but also being able to, the force projection is like probably the most powerful force act we've seen on film.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'll agree with you in a lot of things. I, I, up front, my uh, my thoughts about uh, the movie, I have uh, mixed feelings. There's some things that I'm that I thought were really awesome and some things that I didn't really like. Um, but I really did like Luke and how he was portrayed um, in the movie. You know, from the if you look at the old expanded universe stuff, you read some of the books, Luke becomes insanely powerful with the force, to the point of like, you know, he could destroy a planet with a thought kind of a thing, which kind of brings into, uh, um, you know, clear reflection. Darth Vader's comment in the original thing about, you know, the, the power to destroy a planet is inconsist... In, uh, cons- uh, what's the word? Um,
0: insignificant.
1: Yes, compared to the Force. You know, he finds your lack of faith disturbing. You know, so Luke is is so powerful. Um but when you think about it, if you have to reach if you reach those huge heights, and then you completely cut off and, and give it up, must have been traumatic. Um, the the whatever happened with with Kylo Ren um, and uh, the destruction of the Jedi Temple and, and all of those things, um, for Luke to just completely cut himself off from the Force um you know really shows the the depth to which he felt like he fell you know but then um when you think about okay he takes this journey um, ray kind of like kicks him out of the the place that he's been and forces him to have to face it you know so he uh, he succumbs to his uh um is is anger and frustration and goes to burn all the Jedi books, you know. Uh, and then Yoda shows up and he's like, oh, I'll burn them for you, you know. And he's kind of like, <laughs> you know, but... Sacred Jedi text. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, but then, okay, so it, this happens um, that, uh, you know, the the Luke's trying to do this, but then he, uh, you can see uh, as soon as that fire starts, he's like, oh, wait a minute, what have I done? You know, and then going from that point to... His final moments, the expression on his face and the, the kind of um, the kind of emotion that he's feeling right as his body fades away that's portrayed, reminds me of when Obi-Wan said, you know, you're about to take your first steps into a larger world. There's more to the Force as he tried to teach Rey than lifting rocks and using a lightsaber. And... I feel like Yoda and and Obi Wan and all the others that have gone before him are now gonna bring Luke into this understanding and world of the Force that is um, that is different, you know. And that's I think one of the things about this movie. I, I just watched it again the other night. That um, the point that I really like about the movie is that I feel like we're we're moving into this kind of new and deeper understanding. Of the Force, and I start to ask these questions as I'm really thinking about it. Um, Like, is the Force really binary, the dark side, light side kind of a thing, right? You know, we we accept that that Ray is supposed to represent the light side of the Force, right? But. As soon as she's exposed to it, she immediately goes and checks out the dark side. It's like, what's this all about? You know, she's prone to anger and rage and, and lashing out. You know, that's definitely dark side kind of stuff. But if she's supposed to represent the light side, you know, okay, well, where is that coming from? You know, and then. Um, and Kyla's
0: like the same, but on the, the dark side because he. Right. They're both conflicted within the Force and they are two sides of the same coin but not as polar opposite
1: as yoda and sidious see i don't see him as being two sides of the same coin as much um because that still feels kind of binary to me right yeah so what i what i started thinking about is okay so you know if you didn't pick it up towards the end of the the force awakens um they're on the falcon and and finn goes or yeah the last yeah um he uh, Finn goes in the the there in the falcon and he goes in a drawer and pulls out a blanket for Rose. Um, and you see the Jedi books, yep, right? Yeah. You know, so Ray's got the Jedi books. Um, so you know, there she's gonna be learning in the forest. But what I'm thinking about is, is that maybe it's not so much about light side, dark side, um, but about balance and unbalance. Because mm. Ray is starting, you know the, you know the her first experience with the Force, she sees the light in the dark, and and then Luke says, and what's in between, and she sees the balance, right, right. and she's understanding that. Whereas Kylo is representing, in my mind, an un- imbalance. Yeah, he's 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 about conflict and and um, not being able to settle. Whereas I feel like. That's a a better representation of maybe where the force is going in a way than the light side, dark side. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that.
0: I I never really thought of it that way. Um, I think I think it's really interesting too. I the ending of the last Jedi was honestly my, I think my favorite ending of the Star Wars movies with the little kid that we saw earlier on in. Um, The Canto Bite scene. Right. Who is being bullied by the the slave master. I don't know if he's a slave or. Right. You know, but then he has the broom and you can see he has the force and he looks up and he has hope. And I think for me, that was like. What Star Wars boils down to is having hope in the most desperate of times. Right. And that The Last Jedi while it was more realistic and less fantasy really hit home the feeling and the themes of Star Wars better than some of the other films and ending with anybody can be a Jedi. Anyone can be that little kid who has the force and it doesn't Matter your lineage, everyone can break the mold of their suffering to be a better person and go into a better place.
1: Hmm. Right. I have to disagree with you that um, my favorite ending in the Star Wars films is The Force Awakens. The Force Awakens. Yeah, yeah. Because when when that happened, and she's handing it, and and the cinematography is amazing, and she's holding it out there, and there's this this back and forth and this and this yearning and this emotion going on, and then, boom, you're done. And I was, like, in the theater, I was like, oh, yeah. whoa. <laughs> right. That, <laughs> that killed I mean, me. That was a great ending. It and was. It
0: was. But it, I yeah. – go ahead. Yeah, I was, I was just – that's something, like, we haven't even talked about this entire time is – the cinematography of the new movies has been just fantastic yeah the cinematography the special effects and the practical effects and like the technical side of filmmaking has been just phenomenal
1: yeah the last jedi
0: is a gorgeous film like visually, especially like when they're, they're on the, the mineral planet, the salt planet, and they're when the skiffs and it's all salty. And then all of a sudden, as soon as they, they go over it and touch it, it's red right underneath it. And you can see the streaks of red and the the colors are contrasting. And it's it's beautiful.
1: You know, the thing that um, I think about the, you know, we talk about the CG, um, One of the things that makes the original trilogy work from a movie standpoint visually is that it is all practical effects. It's real rock. It's real dust. It's dirty. It's gritty in a realistic way. right? And then when you jump into the prequels, um, while we've made huge leaps at that time in our CGI and, and stuff like that, everything was green screen and not only was that reflected in the actors performances but visually it all felt CGI there wasn't that realism that grit that weight that that uh, you know you get from the practical effects now I know that in the new movies that there's a lot of stuff going on in the CGI but we've moved in our technology to where it's so seamless that even if you're looking at a CGI background, um, it still has grit and weight and dust and dirt and all of those things that, that you don't know what's real and what's not. So you just accept it all as, is having it.
0: That too, and the fact that both Ryan Johnson and, and, um, JJ. JJ Abrams, and I forget the directors of the other two, I think Gareth Edwards did Rogue One, um, I forget who did solo. It was uh, Ron Howard. Ron right, Howard yeah, finished Ron Howard. solo. Um, but they've all used a mix of practical effects and special effects and visual computer right. effects because not all this—it's not all green screen everything. It's built sets and on location, but also like green screen and parts where they don't need to have to paint a sky of stars you know through a, the cockpit of the falcon and stuff right. and stuff like that where where they're taking the reality where they can and where they can't they add cg and that, that that's a trend in a lot of films now is is going into a good balance of both
1: yeah because there was that time period when you look at uh um, you go back and look at like some of the Lord of the Rings stuff. There is some, you know, some definite CGI ness going on, and you know, but that time period, technologically, was was that way, you know. Um, and now, you know, we we've gotten to the point in our in our CG effects that that it's virtually indistinguishable on TV, on movies, and you know whatever. Um, you know, we just. It, it's so good now, technology wise yeah so. well
0: I, I just had one one last question I really want to talk about, yeah, is what do we want the future generations to get from Star Wars
1: you know i want I want them to um, to keep the ideas of the hero's journey and um, hope and faith overcoming darkness um, alive. Because, you know, life is challenging. And it feels like that our day, we face more and more and more challenges to us emotionally um, and spiritually and and whatever, uh, mentally, you know, than than we ever have um, as a culture, as a people and so we need um constant reminders um and constant things to look to that that lift us up because if we don't have that um then it's all too easy to just drown in the depth of of depression and discouragement you know the 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 uh, the great uh, LGBT series of hey it gets better, kind of a thing. You know it's that same thing. We we need those constant um, reminders in one way or another um, that things can be overcome and that darkness isn't permanent. And so my hope is that Star Wars will continue to be that for people in a way that that um, emotionally gives them strength and lifts up. Yeah,
0: and I feel similarly. I think that um that the ideas and the themes of Star Wars, no matter which trilogies and there's gonna be more films coming out and yep. and I doubt that Disney is gonna ever really drop that cash cow. Nope. Um <laughs> but I feel like as long as Star Wars stays true to their message of hope that everything's going to be okay yeah and how it really connects all the generations you know like the 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 line that luke says i am a jedi like my father before me like that to me has always kind of been what star wars has been about is is the way we connect with each other from generation to generation and also from person to person right that no matter who you are when you were born that star wars has something for you right and it's something that is a cultural phenomena that we all enjoy because i mean i was i never grew up with people being able to really talk to people who were in World War II. Right. And, you know, I never really talked to a lot of people who were in Vietnam as much, but I'm a lot closer to Vietnam than I am World War II. And my kids, when I have kids, are going to look back and they're like, what was 9-11 like? What was the Iraq War like? Mm -hmm. What?" And they won't have that connection, but they'll have a connection through a shared love of Star Wars and because of its message and because of how we can all be able to put ourselves in those, the character spots.
1: The force binds us together. Exactly. The force (laughs) binds us together. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, Hey, is BB hungry? Why? No BB-8. Oh.
0: (laughs) I love it. I love it.
1: (laughs) Hey, uh, did you know which Jedi became a rock star?
0: Oh, which one?
1: Bon Jovi Wan Kenobi. (laughs) (laughs) What did uh, Obi-Wan tell Luke when he had trouble eating Chinese food? What? Use the forks, Luke.
0: (laughs) Okay. On that note, (laughs) have a good night, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye.